So we are in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 through 16. Now, last week, we finished up there in verse 11. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. Now, these guys are to do this. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry for the, of Christ. So the mindset is, oh, these are the paid professionals and we come and they minister to us. You know, we're like a patient in the hospital. Let all the nurses and doctors do their job. Or sometimes we, we picture ourselves at the football game and we're all in the stands cheering them while they're on the field playing the football game. No, guys. The angels are in the stands. Those who have died and are with the Lord now, that great cloud of witnesses are in the stands. We are all on the field. You can't have everybody be the quarterback. You can't have everybody be the lineman. We all have to have a different part, but we are all on the field. Those in leadership, in particular in our case, pastors and teachers, are equipping all of us to be ministers. So every one of us right now are all on the field. We all have a part to play. This is so important that we don't think my part in going to church is to set and to observe the game. <laughs> no. We are all a part of the game. And it's important to realize I came here today, yes, to be ministered to, absolutely. Paul said, when I go to Rome, I hope to regain fruit and growth and strength from you as well as bear fruit to you as well. But it goes both ways. Paul didn't say, I'm coming and I'm going to, you know, minister to you guys. I don't expect you to have anything to give back to me. He didn't say that. So to realize right now, today, we came here to minister to one another. Maybe that's before church. Maybe it's afterwards. Definitely, the Bible says, as the word of God richly dwells in us, that should happen today in the sermon. Hopefully you have ears to hear and a heart to perceive. Hopefully you've been praying for me to be anointed. And, and your heart is richly stirred, probably by something I said or didn't say, but it reminded you, the Holy Spirit spoke to you. Often people will say, Brian, that was an amazing point. And they'll tell me what it was. I'm like, wow, that really ministered to me. I wish I had said that. But uh, <laughs> either way, the Holy Spirit did speak it to you. And thanks for sharing that. But throughout the week, it's sort of a combined. It's always amazing, isn't it? How there's, there's sort of a theme. You have this phone call. You have this experience sharing the Lord with somebody. You hear this little snippet on the radio. And, and it all sort of is a theme. And now to share that with one another. Speak to one another. Sing to one another, it says, poetically, powerfully. As the word of God's dwelt in your heart, now speak it to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You're all a minister and a pray for each other. We're going to find out here in, the, in a minute. It's all going to be out of love. So if you don't come with the mindset of being a minister, well, I guess I need to get my mind wired. No, you just need more love. 
You need to be near to Jesus so he can just pour into you more love. You need just to be smushing up to Jesus and, and all, you know, like grandma's perfume, right? You, get, you walk away smelling like grandma for the next week. You just want to hug on Jesus until his, his spirit and his, his smell and his taste and his fellowship and his grace and kindness and mercy is just so oozing into you, you will find yourself being a witness. You don't have to try to witness. You will be a witness. You will just find yourself going, how can I pray for you? Not, okay, let me get the checklist. I got to tell you first what I learned today. Uh, not much. It was a little long. Uh, okay. <laughs> Number two, uh, oh, I need to pray for you. What do you need prayer for? No, it's, it's, it's a genuine thing where you'd love somebody. You want to know how you can love on them and hug on them. And as they start sharing with you, you now share back with them. And you'll find in the midst of that, there's words of knowledge and words of wisdom and scriptures and prophecies and a gift of faith where you're praying with faith and God moves in that place. I can't tell you how many times people will come and say, right now this is going on with my daughter or my son or my parents or whatever. And I'll just say, okay, right now it is 1019. Lord, we believe you right now, wherever that, whatever's going on, your Holy Spirit would fall upon them, convict them, bring them in a powerful way to, to see what's going on. They have a free will. God can't force them. But so many times people will come back and say, man, let me tell you what happened. I'll say, when, when did it happen? And they'll say, right when we prayed. It was just a gift of faith on my part in that moment. But if you're looking for it, you can experience it. If you come with the mindset, I'm a minister, I'm coming to minister, guess what will happen? You'll minister. <laughs> and and, and I, I understand as you get older and, and if you've had a long week, you just sort of come in tired going, just be happy I'm here. You know, uh, I, I'm beat up. I'm, we're just like that sometimes. So the church is a hospital. And we need to seek those people out who have been beat up all week and and heal their wounds and give them a big hug and, and love on them. So it's so important that we get this, that the leaders are there to help strengthen everybody to be ministers. Do we got that? When people ask me, well, Brian, are, are you a pastor? Are you a minister? I've never felt like one. I've been one now for about 40 years, I still don't feel like one. What should I call you? Just Brian. I, I have some friends and they are, oh, pastor, I'm pastor so-and-so, I'm pastor. I've never done that. One, I don't feel like one. But two, um, I'm just Brian. I, I, you, we're all equal ministers. One's a hand, one's a foot. But I, I don't feel like I'm more of a minister here than anybody else. I'm, I'm a mouth and so you got to listen to the mouth. But, you know, if, if the whole body was a mouth, where would the hearing be? The whole body was a nose, where would the smelling be? And uh, years ago, they had this Coca-Cola commercial. And it was just so funny because it was exactly how America, I think, saw church. But it was obviously on a, 
on a blimp in those days because they didn't have drones. <laughs> it was way back one of the Coca-Cola commercials. You know how they did that? But it was way up high, and then it came out in the country, and there was this little chapel. And as they came in, there's the guy out with his black suit on and his white collar. I think it was Episcopal Church, and, uh, or Presbyterian, whatever. He had his, and he's mowing the yard, and somebody hands him a Coke, and he looks up and is drinking his Coke while the mower is still going. But that's the mindset. We hired this guy to mow the yard and do the, clean the bathrooms and preach a sermon and Marius and Marius. And, uh, you know, the pastor is, is the minister here. And we come and we, we show up and we do our participation uh, so he can do his gig. Just absolutely the opposite of what's being said here. The word equipping is the word to like furnish, like you're furnishing a house. You're coming in to a brand new house and you're putting all the furnishings in there. But it's a very rare word actually being used here, but it has the sense of training, discipling, instructing. Isn't that really the key, discipling? These, we are all to be discipling. Somebody, somebody's discipling us and we're discipling somebody else. What's that word mean? Just learners. I'm learning. I, I never want to be in a place where I'm like, I, I don't need to learn anything else. That's called pride, right? You can, you can struggle with sin, and, and God will still use you. When you quit being teachable, God will put you on the shelf in a heartbeat. Without that humble, teachable spirit, God cannot use it, not even for a second. But we all need to be, and we all need to be discipling. Who are you speaking into their lives? Who are you calling up and, and talking to? Who are you getting with and having coffee saying, what's God speaking? Hey, can we go through the Gospel of John? Let's read it and talk about it. Can, I, I hear you have a starting with marriage. Let's read through this marriage book together and, and talk about it. Hey, let's get together with you and your wife once a week and let's just have, have some dinner and, and just talk about marriage. Let's read through this book together and, and just encourage each other in our marriage, whatever the area is, you'd be able to strengthen them, furnish every aspect in all areas we're going to learn here. And again, he used the word saints. We started that in chapter one, right? To all the saints in Ephesus. It sounded like Paul was only going to include a few people. I am writing to the church, but not everybody, just the handful of saints. That's what it sounds like. But no, Everybody who believes in Jesus is not just a believer. He's a saint. He's a holy one. And God wants you to know that you are my holy ones. Now you look in the mirror, you don't see a holy one. But through God's point of view, he already, we saw this in chapter 2, he already sees us seated together with him. And on the throne with Jesus, what do you think we look like there? We are holy as Jesus is holy. Not that we earned it, he made us that way. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. We are as righteous as Jesus. We are as holy as Jesus. This is what the power of the cross has done for us. And so he wants you to know, I know you don't feel like holy ones, but I want you to call yourself holy ones. God's calling you holy ones. I'm calling you holy ones. Call yourself a holy one. Now in this human flesh, is that true? 
No. In our brand new bodies in heaven, is that going to be true? Yeah? Anybody? Yes, it's true. So God wants us to see ourselves as he is. That's what it says in 1 John. As he is, so are we in this world. How is Jesus right now? That's how we are on earth. Even though we stumble in many ways, sin in many ways, struggle in many ways, we're still God's holy ones. And he wants us to come to do the work of the ministry. The word is deaconia. It's our word deacon, right? You see, here's the thing with deacons. They do. (laughs) They're doers. there's, There's something that needs to be swept. They sweep it. There's somebody that needs to be hugged. They hug them. There's some orphans in Mexico that need to be loved on. We go to Mexico and love on them. We should all be doers and somehow in the week. And and you see, here's, here's the thing. Christianity is plummeting right now. Especially this COVID year. It did great damage to the church. Now, it actually probably prune things in a good way, to be honest with you. Because there's a lot of people that spent a lot of time with themselves and they said, I haven't been going to church, but I gotta go. And boy, as soon as they could, man, they're back and they're like, I need Jesus more than ever. I I got a good look at myself and I'm scared. (laughs) I am a sinner and boy, when I have time to sin, I didn't know I could sin that much. But once I get some time and everything's shut down, I am one scary sinner. I need Jesus. So those people are coming back to church, and it's, it's refreshing. But a lot of the people that were just going on casually, you know, they were maybe going eight times a year. They were on their way going three times a year, you know, Christmas, Easter, and what's the other one? I don't even, can't remember right now. What? Father's Day. Father's Day or Mother's Day or something, yeah. By the way, Mother's Day is next weekend. <laughs> so... Um, they were heading that way. And, and you know what the COVID did? They said, why, why am I going three times a year? I didn't go at all in the last 12 months. And I'm doing the same. I'm doing just as good as if I didn't go. Or if I did go three times a year. So why bother? And that was a big percentage of the mindset of a lot of people. And they're never coming back, guys. They're not coming back. They have clicked off. And they said, I'm just the same whether I go or don't go. I didn't know that until the COVID, but now that I learned I'm the same if I don't go, I can hear sermons uh, on a million different ways on my social media and apps and and internet and all of this. So why, you know, because that's all it was to them, was going to hear a sermon. Guys, that is not why we gather together. It is, I would say, 50% of why we're gathering together to grow in the knowledge of God, it's about connection. And that's where you got to come early and you got to hang out a little bit. I know you can't do that every week. But the idea is that how many people can I touch? You know, that's something you learn. The politicians I know learn is that when they're trying to get in a crowd, they try to touch physically as many people as they can as many as they can. And, 
and, and, and if I have an hour and I'm in a multitude, I want to have touched a thousand people. That's their goal. They actually tell them, try to touch. It's actually true. We, we should try to touch as many people as we can. Well, I'm sitting around. Nobody's touching me. Yeah, this is the point. You cast your bread upon the water. The proverb says it comes back to you after many days. You serve and give. It's given back to you. It's this simple. If you're a parent and you don't spend time with your kids, when your kids get older, they won't spend time with you. But if you're pouring into your kids while they're young, when they're old, they're going to pour into you. It's just, it's sort of the natural life. And so in the same way, we want to pour in. I want to come and not, not to be served, but to serve. We are all ministers. We're all pastors. We all have gifts, every single one of us, to do, to do the work of the ministry, to be doing it. So interesting, the goal is not to be a saint. Some people often say, I'm going to church because I need to be holier. I need to be more righteous. I need to be a better Christian. That's not the goal. The goal is you are already a saint, right? He makes you a saint in a second. The moment you believe and receive in him, you're a child of God. The moment you believe in him, we immediately have his righteousness. The goal of coming to church is not to become a saint. You already are. The goal of the church is to become a servant. We're all here in servant training class every week. We all came to learn how to to mature in the Lord, to be strengthened in the Lord, so we all become servants. All of us are members. Say to somebody next to you, you are a minister. Go ahead. Say yes. In the most COVID-friendly way possible. (laughs) With social distancing. Anyway, in Romans 12, I looked at this last week. I'm going to say it again. For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. You see that? There is, you know how many spiritual gifts are here? An infinite amount. Every time Paul gives a list, it's a different list. It's like, oh, here's the list. Oh, I thought that was, there's a couple of things that are the same, but there's a whole nother grouping of, uh, of ministries. It's infinite. It's unique. Like God's unique. He's infinite. He doesn't have to repeat himself. We all have a unique function. Being member, members of one another, many one body in Christ, individually members, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us. So understand this. If you've been given grace to be saved, at the same moment, you've been given grace by God to be ministers. They both happen. You are saved and you're a minister. You become a believer and you become a servant. We need to grow and mature in that. So he he gives some examples. If prophecy... Let us do it. You see? Do it. Prophesy in the portion of your faith. If you are a deaconess, a deacon in the church, then 
Do it. Do you, do you, see, do you hear what he's saying here? There's people that have to get the prophecy, but they're, I don't really like talking to people. Well, a lot of good your prophecy is going to do. You've got to sort of say it or it doesn't help. Yeah, oh, I, I wish I had told you last week, but I had a word from the Lord for you. But, um, you know, I was just tired. My back hurt a little bit and I just wanted to get out of here. Um, but here's the prophecy. That would have been so helpful. Oh, yeah, I was going to share that verse with you last week. It's sort of cool how you picked up on it. Yeah, I wish I had known it last week. I learned it after I needed it. Yeah, so teaching, let him do the teaching. Amen. I'm obedient. I'm obedient. I'm obedient today. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm doing well. <laughs> he who exhorts, this is the word parakleo. It's the word parakletas, the comforter. It's literally he who exhorts, encourages, but more it's with the comfort. Do you know some of you guys have that gift? When you look at me, you smile. And a lot of times you'll take my hand or you'll hug me. And I feel healed. Do you have that gift? Do you have that gift of just causing their hearts like a, you're like a lion tamer? <laughs> you know, you walk into the cage and the lion just calms down. Yeah, that's an awesome gift. And many of you have that. He who has the gift of giving. God just keeps blessing you. It's like, I got enough money and I keep making more. Well, if you don't need it, give it. He who leads with diligence. You, you know, there's some of you, you, you can't help it. You set the atmosphere when you walk in the room. You, you can't help it, but you, you're, always, you're always guiding the parade. Even if it wasn't your parade you showed up to, you're, you're, the, you're out in front leading it within a couple of minutes. Well, th that's naturally maybe what you've had, but there's also a supernatural gifting where this thing is heading in a carnal way or a fleshly way or an unfruitful way. And, and you, you have an ability in a minute to sort of dominate with your presence and do it. Do it. Say, hey, guys. Let's pray, man. Let's just, before we start this, we go out to eat or going to the beach or let, 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 he leads. Do it. Do it. You're a minister. Minister. Don't say, my ministry is to sit on my butt in church and listen to the sermon. That's my ministry. Nobody has that ministry, okay? <laughs> this is just, this is just the, the growth time. This is just like the, in the locker room before the game. <laughs> okay, I'm the, the coach and we're, we're, actually God's the coach. God's word <laughs> is coaching you to go out and be a minister. Do we, do we, are we getting this? He who shows mercy. Did you know that's a gift of the spirit? We all are to show mercy, right? But there's some people that just heal you with their compassion, with their kindness, with their cheerfulness. It's like you're feeling so bad and maybe condemned or guilty. And they just come and they give you that word of God in season that just is a salve. Are they able to get your eyes on the Lord? A lot of times that's the biggest problem. We're just in the pit. We're going through the valley of shadow of death. And all I'm doing is digging down, looking deeper in the mud and it's like, I need to get my eyes on the Lord. 
Your shepherd's there. He's led you here. It's a reason. And all of a sudden, you just feel God's mercy and love and comfort. Boy, the, do you ever come to church needing any of these? Do you ever come to church needing mercy? Okay, who has the gift of mercy? Help out here, would you? Did you ever need that, that ministry of comfort? There's people here. Do you ever need that word from the Lord? Always, don't we? Do you know you might have a gift of prophecy and it doesn't sound like Moses standing on Sinai? Hear ye, hear ye, I have a prophecy. It might just be like, hey, I've been reading this passage this week and this verse has really ministered to me and I, I just want to share it with you. And, you know, here's what God spoke to me when I was doing this. And I really think this is for you also. That's a prophecy, guys. It can be the foretelling of God's word or it can be the future telling. Sometimes it could just be, hey, the Lord put on my heart this week when you go to work. Here's what you need to do. I was able to do that with somebody this week. They, they were heading out. I just said, hey, you know, the Lord's put this verse on my heart for you. So as you're going this week, here's, here's what I think he wants you to do and how to, how to act, how to behave. And he's just like, oh my gosh, my mind's blown right now. That exactly, I would not have thought of that on my own. But that is such spot on. That is a word from the Lord. So again, I think we have many of these gifts. I, God gives them, as we notice, look in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for what? The profit of all. Do you see that? We all have gifts ministering for everybody to be blessed at some point with that. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. But the one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to who? Each one individually as he wills. You know what this sounds like to me? The Lord is saying, I love giving the gifts of the Spirit. It's like Christmas morning. I get to give you a prophecy this week. You've never prophesied before, but you're going to enjoy this. I'm going to give you the gift of teaching, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, administration, helps, healings, faith. God's given them individually to us. Open your mouth wide that he might fill it. We want to walk with that anticipation. You know, faith does that. Faith is thinking with God in the equation. Remember Jonathan? He, he's like Saul stressing out. Nobody eat anything. We're all going to fast. Ah. Jonathan was away. He was just, I can't be around this. Fleshly guy Saul, even though he's my dad, I can't be there. I, I need to get away. He was by himself and just... He just told his armor bearer, it doesn't take an army to be, defeat an army. God could defeat, defeat an army with one person. And his armor bearer says, hey, do it. I'm with you, man. Whatever's in your heart. Let's go see if God's going to do it. And he goes over there. You guys know the story. He ended up defeating the army by himself. Faith. Faith does this kind of stuff. But faith also experiences this work of God's Holy Spirit because you realize this is what the Lord is joyfully having fun doing. He's having fun giving you ministries and giving you gifts to the Spirit to do those ministries. 
So what do we learn in this verse? God's people do the real work of the ministry. Leaders in the church have their first responsibility to equip the people to serve and then to do their service as God leads. Why? For the edifying of the body of Christ. So we're all built up. So how does it look? One, we become evangelists. We win souls. Guys, we're here in 2021, right? I think that's right. Uh, It's sort of been a blur these last year. This year, before the clock strikes and we go into 2022, say, Lord, use me to plant a seed, to water a seed, or maybe even the opportunity to harvest. Be it unto you according to your faith. You're all called to this. Secondly, that you would disciple them. Help them to grow in the equipping to do the work of the ministry. Just how does that look? Just walk with them into maturity. We are having an incredible time on Thursday nights with the Christian Foundation class. We have one more time together. The book that we have in the back is just phenomenal. But after that, just read through the Gospel of John and take them right through the New Testament. Just walk with them into maturity. The simple reality is this, guys. Everyone in this world is a lost person before they come to Christ. Right? Do you realize God's Holy Spirit's in the world convicting every single person of sin and righteous judgment? You're not like talking to this person something that God hasn't already been talking to them about. And you're just simply saying, I know what it was like when I was in my sin. I know what it was like when I had, I I was so out of harmony because I didn't have harmony with God. I didn't have peace within my soul. And we have the gospel. Whoever believes on him has eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. And so they need Jesus. So we need to come to help the world understand they need Jesus to help them become saints but that's not our end goal our end goal now is that they're in the church is not to help people learn to sit in church and become pew watchers pew setters our goal is to take those who have become saints and now equip them mature them grow them to become servants God has things for you to do. God has ministries for you to do. That ministry will involve winning the lost people to Christ and then equipping more saints to be added to their ministry. Well, verse 13 now. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So now this As we are ministering, you know what we're not going to be doing? Complaining and dividing each other. That's a carnal thing. When people are are focused on me and getting ministered to and what I like and my particular things that I want, we start becoming carnal. The Corinthian church was carnal, remember? I'm a Paul, I'm a Paulus. You guys are carnal. I I can't help you grow in the Lord as long as you're in this causing divisions and people aren't getting along. 
But when we're serving and ministering, we're, we're causing unity as well as growth. Where? In the knowledge of the Son of God. What's John 15, right? Abide in Jesus. We're helping people to come and say, abide in Jesus. I'm just a sheep. I'm just taking you to my shepherd. And we both as sheep just follow the shepherd. Abide in him. His word abides in you. And you grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. That word perfect, it's also translated in the Bible mature. It's also translated complete. So it's interesting that the translators took the word perfect rather than the word mature or the word complete. Because they're trying to say this, guys, there's no cap on your spiritual growth. Do you get that? It's not about we mature to a level, we hit the ceiling, and now we just grow old. No, we can continue to grow old, but mature and keep maturing in the Lord. And maybe some of us, like Enoch, will walk with God and we're not. (laughs) We'll get raptured before the rapture. I don't know. But God wants us to come to this maturity that has no limits. And then he tells us it's to the stature of the fullness of Christ. That he wants us to walk as Jesus walked, to be as fruitful and mature in the knowledge of God as Jesus was in the knowledge of the Father. That's possible or the Bible wouldn't tell us. Timothy was struggling with this. And I love what Paul said to him in 2 Timothy 1.5. When I call remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Where did you get that faith? which was first in your grandmother, Lois, and then in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded us also in you. Do you see what happens with mature people? They cause other people to be mature. When you have a sweet, genuine love for God, it's a, it's, you, you can't hang around that without having a greater love for God. I used to have this guy in the church, and he used to end every sentence going, you know, man, you know, man, you know what I mean, man? He couldn't say a sentence, but it was always funny because you could tell who was hanging out with him. You hung out with that guy for three days and you're doing the same thing. And it's like, hey, man, you know what I mean, man? It's like, you've been hanging out with Roger, haven't you? It's like, just we, we affect each other that way. But especially in the power of God's spirit, getting with those who love the Lord out of a pure heart creates in us a pure heart. Verse 14 that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. This was sort of a continual message of Paul. You guys might remember in Acts 20, he says, guys, shepherd the flock of Christ because once I depart, savage wolves are gonna come in and he says they're gonna come from inside and they're gonna come from the outside. And they're going to ravage the sheep. I tell you this with tears, but I tell you this in advance. Boy, Paul told Timothy that. Do you remember in 1 Timothy 1? This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecy previously made concerning you, that by this you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience. 
which some have rejected concerning the faith have what? Suffered shipwreck. They were tossed to and fro. Of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. That he did the same thing to the guy who married his father's wife in 2 Corinthians 5. And that guy got trashed, but he came back to the Lord. And we read that in 2 Corinthians. I think here this was a serious spanking. He's saying you don't want to get in this place where Satan is spanking you and you're spanking yourself and foolishness is spanking you, bad doctrine spanking you, and then eventually God's having to spank you. You don't want that. In 1 Timothy 4.16, listen to what he says to Timothy. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For doing this, you will save or so so the word to health as well as salvation. He's not saying you're safe for eternity. He's saying a healthiness. You will create a healthiness in yourself and also those who hear you. And I have a number of other verses in Timothy. It talks about the last days in particular, that these are going to be perilous times. There's going to be doctrines of demons like never before. So in the last days, if in, in human history, Waves come from inside and waves come from outside that toss believers around. How much more in these last days? That is going to be true. Men are tricky. Clark said this, over the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Clark said this, the words refer to the arts used by gamesters. Have you ever seen those guys out on the street? They have the cards, tell me where the card is, you know. Or they have the shell game where they put the ball under the shell and you have three shells. You're never going to win, right? (laughs) He says, this is the art of these tricksters, these gamesters, who employ false devices that will always throw up one kind of number, which is that by which those who play with them cannot win. This is the trickery in us, the persuasiveness Paul told Timothy that there were some there that were doing this and their message was like cancer and it was overthrowing the faith of some. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13 to 15, he says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. They look like the real thing. And no wonder. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Isn't that interesting? That Satan wants to look like he's still an angel in good standing with God. If he's so proud of himself, why doesn't he just show himself the way he really is? Because he knows it won't work. In the same way, if these apostles and these false teachers are so proud of their false, why why are they connected to Christianity? Why don't they just start their own religion and become an obvious cult? Therefore, he says in verse 15 of 2 Corinthians, there's no great, is there no great thing if ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. Speaking the truth in love. So he's letting you know that Many times when we speak the truth, it's going to be hard for them to hear. 
It's not going to be a pleasant thing. Matter of fact, if you study the Bible, because we're in a sinful, fallen world, most of the truth God reveals is negatively pointing out the failure of our flesh. Saying, you know, don't commit adultery. (laughs) He doesn't say, hey, everybody be pure. He does say that as well. But more of the time, he's pointing out where we fall short. And you need to not budge from the truth, but you have to have that loving heart. Boy, I think he gives it perfect in 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 to 6. What a perfect balance here. The servant of the Lord must not quarrel, or the old King James says strive, but be gentle to all. I love that. That's just the way we should all be, right? The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness is one of them. Able to teach, patient, love again is patient, love is kind. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition of God, perhaps will grant them repentance so they may know the truth, that they may come to their senses, escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. If there is a hope for them to get back on the narrow road that leads to life, it's them hearing the message of God. Don't you be a vessel that blows them out of the water by a condemning spirit or a a brash spirit or a rough tactic. Be gentle and loving. And so if they are offended, it's not at you. It's at the message. Remember we learned earlier in chapter four of Ephesians verse two, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Warren Wiersbe gives the perfect balance here in his quote. Little children, do, not, do you not know how to blend truth and love? They think that if you love someone, you must shield him from the truth. If you know the truth, will hurt him. However, it's a mark of maturity when we are able to still share the truth with our fellow Christians and do it in love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I often think of a small town doctor who wants to tell somebody that they have heart disease and they need to lose weight and start exercising more and they got to quit smoking and drinking. And the small town doctor is going, ah, I love him so much and I don't want to be at odds with him. I don't, you know, I don't want them to see me in the street going, oh, here he's smoking. Oh, there's the doctor. Hurry, quick. You know. So they ask me, how am I doing, doc? And I say, oh, you're doing great. Have a great day. You check out perfectly. He doesn't want to speak the truth because he doesn't want to upset the balance of the community. But that would be a horrible doctor, wouldn't it? (laughs) Iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. You know what happens when iron hits iron, right? Sparks fly, things get hot, heat up, start glowing. That's what happens sometimes when you speak the truth. But hopefully after the moment is over and things cool down, they'll realize you were very loving by doing that. We may grow up into all things into him who is the head. Remember as he started this off, no longer be little children tossed to and fro. 
Now he says, quit being little kids, immature kids. Grow up. Remember 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Adam Clark has a great quote on this. This is a continuance of the metaphor taken from the members of the human body receiving nourishment equally and growing up each in its due portion to the others and to the body in general. You say, man, I got a great liver, but my kidneys are gone. I'm healthy though. It can't happen, right? Or maybe you go, look at my right arm. You got a Popeye arm. And your other arm is like this little tiny frail thing. You don't look very good at the beach, do you? Or you got one really strong leg and the other one's sort of, you know, a, a twig. It, it doesn't work that way, does it? Every part of the body has to be healthy and working together. In Ephesians 4.16, we finish up here today. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself, once again, in love. We are joined and knit together. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, when it talked about a marriage couple becoming companions, it literally is the word to knit together. (laughs) They're like two individual pieces of thread, but they come together and in this tapestry, they now become a blanket. This is what he's saying here, is we're all a bunch of individual pieces of thread here, right? (laughs) But what should happen on Sunday morning is I'm in love with Jesus, and I love you because Jesus is filling my heart with love. And I come, and and we're knitting in together, and we're causing this growth by not being individual pieces of thread. And then the other analogy he gives is that of the body. Boy, you know that long passage, don't you? In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14 to 27. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, am I not a body? Therefore, it's not of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the whole body were in the eye, where would uh, be the hearing? And if the whole were a hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No such, but rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Do you hear that? Well, I'm just weaker. I'm, I'm really not necessary. Every little toenail is necessary. Have you ever lost a toenail? It's necessary, is it not? <laughs> and those members of the body which think themselves less honorable, on these bestow greater honor. Our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body and given greater honor to that part which lacks it. And there should be no schism in the body, but the members should have one and the same care for one another. 
For if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You see, whether you're a tiny little toe or whether you're a big fancy ear, (laughs) we all share equally because the ear needs a little toe and the little toe needs the ear. So what is this process of growth that we have to edify itself in love? Number one, there must be a commitment to Christ and to sound doctrine. Number two, to be speaking the truth. Of course, you got to know the truth, to speak the truth, don't you? Then there must be a right spirit in love. If it is spoken in any other way, it results in a false testimony. It has been said that truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. The fourth thing, church grows, church growth requires graceful leadership, encouraging discipleship, and a maturing fellowship. In a very real sense, the body produces growth in the body. The body causes the body to grow. Members feed on the Bible, prayer, worship, and from that witness, we witness for Christ. In addition to growth in the size we experience, growth in love. I think Chuck Smith said it the best way. Healthy sheep, what? Beget healthy sheep. And I sure hope we are becoming healthy sheep. Are we? Man, God's doing something special on Wednesday nights. We're seeking the Lord. John Wang is going to be doing worship Sunday night. He's an amazing worship leader and in particular has a gift in leading and afterglow time. So on Wednesday nights, we just have one song and we go right to the teaching. And then we have a time to seek the Lord, sometimes take communion together. You can always do it individually. And just to pray and worship and cry out to God. And, uh, and then the women's Bible studies, men's fellowships. We just finished the grief share. There's opportunities to get discipled and Be healed and comforted and touched and strengthened. Amen. Well, let's close with prayer and a song. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the work you're doing here in Calvary Chapel, Los Alamitos, and through us and in us. And I think we got the message today. We're all ministers. (laughs) We all need to do it now. We all need to pray that we are filled with the Spirit and in tune with your Spirit and being walking in the spirit and have the joy and the love and the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness and the patience of your spirit and and just ooze on one another your love as we receive it from you as we walk in the light your love is infiltrating our lives that we would have that fellowship with one another and ooze love and ministry to one another your kingdom come your will be done in jesus name amen